Welcome to Power of the Cross Radio Sermons. Up next is a sermon from Pastor Farrell Wilson. Brother Wilson is the pastor of the Lighthouse Church in Grenada, Mississippi. More of his messages can also be downloaded at grenadachurch.com. Now, on to the sermon. Verse 7, But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom be the praise, dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now I want you to flip over to Second Peter. Just go a little bit forward. Chapter 3 and verse 10 in Second Peter. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are there within shall be burned up. Seeing that these, all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Let us pray together. Father, just for a few moments we have today, Lord, I pray that, God, you would help us as we break the bread of life. Lord, if we need anything this morning, I know I need the anointing of the Holy Ghost, Lord. We need the anointing to not only to preach, but to hear and to understand what's going on in this hour that we live in. And Lord, let your word go forth with power and might. And we ask it in Jesus' name and we say amen. amen. Living in the light at the end is what I titled this sermon. Because almost 2,000 years ago, Peter warned us that the end is near. And how much more true that is today. And we say, oh, but Brother Wilson, that's been 2,000 years ago and but you have to understand, and it's very hard for our, to wrap our minds around this. The Bible is, instructs us that a day is a thousand years with the Lord. So it's been about two days for God. His sense of timing is not our sense of timing. In fact, in Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 8, right before where I read it, verse 10, it said, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, that not willing, not willing any should perish, but all should come to repentance. God has allowed certain things to happen, so all would come to repentance. But there's little doubt, though, as we look at the across the landscape that we're nearing the very end. And preachers today are still echoing this warning from God that was given many years ago. I posted this on Facebook. David Wilkerson, if you know him, you know he was a great man of God in the Assemblies of God. He was a wonderful preacher. Uh, and I believe one of the last few prophets we've seen in our lifetime, he gave these warnings. In 1973, he had a, oh, everybody loved him when Crossing the Switchblade come out of book. And when he was with the gangs, everybody loved him. But God started laying prophecies on his heart in the 70s, early 70s. He stood up in these major conventions, assemblies of God, and they basically disowned him. In 1973, Brother Wilkerson came out with a book called The Vision. It's readily available on the Internet many places, and, re and it regards the future of the United States. 
And he subset, in, in this book, the vision, some of his prophecies, now listen to this, it'll shake you to your core when you hear this. Now understand this was in 1973. He said there's going to be a worldwide recession called the economic confusion. He said nature's going to begin to have labor pains in these last days. Earthquakes, disasters will start happening. A fl- listen to this. A flood of filth and a baptism of dirt will come to America. He said there will be rebellion like never before in the home. Kids will no longer listen to their parents. Homes will be shaken to the core. He said this is the one that got him with the church. And when they basically said, oh, no, this will never happen. But look what's happening. He said homosexuality is coming to the American church. He said a persecution madness against true spirit-filled Christians who love Christ will happen in these last days. In 2009, he posted this warning. And I remember when he posted this, he said, you can do what you want to with it. And I don't really care. I'm just bringing you a message. He said in this urgent message concerning New York City, for 10 years I had been warning about a thousand fires coming to New York City. It will engulf the whole megaplex, including areas of New Jersey and Connecticut. Major cities all across America will experience rights and blazing fires. He indicated this will be an earth-shaking calamity affecting the whole earth Listen, brought on by the wrath of God in judgment against the raging sins of America. Regarding this time of events, he said, I don't know. I have not a clue when they're happening, but I can tell you we're in the last days and it's up on us. Even secular leaders in this day say that things have gone wrong. I showed my wife a video yesterday from uh, former U.S. Colonel Douglas McGregor. And he has still has access because he's a, a consultant. He still has access to top secret information of what's going on. And he said this, there is a warning of financial ruin coming to the U.S. There will be possible bank closures for two to three weeks before the 2024 elections get here. Listen to this, crime and lawlessness will be spilling over into the big cities and reaching into the suburbs like never before. People, not, we're not talking, well, this is not a prophecy or a spiritual level. This guy, I don't even know if he's a Christian. I'm just telling you, even the secular viewpoint says that all things are coming to an end. This wicked White House administration that we have have created a giant mess across the whole globe. This colonel even warned of what's coming in Ukraine. I've heard several prophecies of Ukraine going back even to 2009. And he said, we're being told here that how Ukraine is winning. And he said, it's not happening. He said, they're going to collapse and it's just going to be a, a fall that will continue. It's coming. And I'm not shocked. I am not shocked at all. Why? Because the Word of God tells me we're in the last days. All things in this Bible have culminated. This is what's different, my friends. It, it, we've always had sin. Since the beginning of time, Adam and Eve brought sin and ruin into this world. And through Adam, the sin has been passed on to the human race. But there has never been a time in human history that all these things have come together and the prophecy fulfilled of Israel becoming a nation. That has never happened in all this time. And now it's come before our face. But secular people like McGregor, they have no answer. 
There's no answer in it. The best he can tell you to do is get some dry beans and ammo and hang on. That's no answer. I mean, you know, it's fine. It, I, I, I support my Second Amendment rights. I've got a cup of water and some dry beans put up. That's all fine and good, but that's not where my hope lies. And Peter, though, went on. He sounded the alarm, but he went on and he gave very specific advice at what a Christian should do during this time. So just a little introduction there, and now I have just a few points this morning of what we should be doing in these last days. Number one, it said, be sober. I can't overemphasize this enough. I touch up on this many times when I stand behind God's sacred desk. He said, be sober. And that word in the Greek, it means to be mentally stable. It means to preserve your sanity. It means don't be on drugs. It means no alcohol. I Look, you're not going to argue me over alcohol. Any day you want to argue over alcohol in the Christian life, get your Bible and come sit down with me. Get your Bible and come sit down with me, and I'll show you that in the Christian life, there is absolutely zero tolerance for any type of substance that alters your thinking. Well, all I'm drinking is two beers. Well, if it took you six beers to get drunk, you're two ten, two six drunks, whatever. I'm terrible at fractions. How do you know this? I know because I kept in Heiser Bush in business. I, I know this. I know what it. I can remember the days even when I drank one beer, I begin to get that feeling, and I understand there's a pleasure to it. But God said, "Be sober." And not only in that, though, be sober in your mind so we can see things in a clear light. I can't go by what the world says. I have to go by what the Word of God says. I can't go by my feelings. If you start going by your feelings and doing what you see is right in your own eyes, me, you, or anybody, you're going to be in a world of trouble and you will not be sober and these last days will overrun you. There's three... Oh, it's good preaching. Three kinds of people in the last day. The indifferent. Second Peter's chunk, or first and second Peter's chunk full of things about the last days. Second Peter chapter three and verse three and four. Knowing this first that in the last days, scoffers walking after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. They're out there everywhere now saying, where's your Jesus? I thought you said he was coming. I thought that he would come. This happened even in Peter's day because they had all promised him after Jesus Christ arose, he ascended back up and gave the message, I'll return back after a certain season. He said, don't you worry about when. That's only in the Father's business, but I will come back. And since that time, people have ridiculed Christians. And it's only getting worse. It continues to get worse and a little only this will increase so much more in the last days. My friends, people can believe what they want to believe. But there's only one sure foundation that I know that I can stand on in this world. I've stood on the side of evil and I've watched people over the years. I've did many things that I'm not proud of. I've been to many establishments I wish I'd have never went to. And I know there's just one resounding truth that is still there. I know it's real. And Jesus is coming back to this earth to gather his church one day. When will it happen? I have not a clue. But just to be honest with you, if it happens before we get out of here, hallelujah. 
They can have this old simple world. I'm not looking to stay here. I could care less what is going to happen with this world system in the future. I'm not worried about it, but I know one thing. I'm not going to give up. There's going to be people that you thought were Christians. You're going to see them fall to the wayside in these last days. You're seeing it now. Look at the church as a whole. Look what's happening. Got a bunch of motivational messages standing up behind the pulpit. Boy, look at the champion inside of you. There's no more call for repentance. There's no more call for service or community or prayer. Jesus said the first one was indifferent. Jesus said there's also be fearful people in the last days. Luke 21 and 26. Men's heart failing them with fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven will be shaken. There is a whole group of people out there. They're easy to find. You can get them on Facebook. I can't remember their name, but they're out. You just type in a few words, you'll find them. They believe tribulation period has started here on this earth. We haven't seen anything. The powers of heaven will be shaken. Everything you know it is going to change. You know, people, I don't know, they read the Bible and they want to, I wish I could tell you, that we're all going to join hands on Mount Zion and sing Kumbaya and invite Jesus back. Boy, that's a wonderful game plan. Sounds great. Gets you a lot of money and offering plate and fill your church up. But that's not much of the Word of God. The Word of God says continually, time and time again, that things are going to wax worse in the last days. Things will get much, much worse before the coming of the Son of Man. And when the tribulation period starts here on this earth, there will be no mistaking, there will be no mistake in anybody's mind about what is going on because the very powers of heaven will be shaken. Everything as you know it, any type of, there will be no calm anywhere. There will be nothing as business as usual. Change is coming to this earth, but don't be fearful. You have no business being fearful as a child of God. None. 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 Why? Because Jesus said, I've got victory over death. Hallelujah. When he rose up out of that grave, he showed up at hell. He did. He showed up at the gates of hell and took back the keys to death and hell. Amen. He said, give them up. They're mine. And there's no reason for a Christian to fear anymore. Because when you start fearing, you quit working. You quit going to church. You quit praying. You quit having fellowship. And you don't worry about anything about yourself and trying to self-preservation. Self-preservation, that's all you're worried about. My friends, this is no time to be fearful. None at all. And then from a physical standpoint, that I have to share this with you. Maybe it'll help you live a little longer. And I have to do this with myself. All fear is going to get you is your body's going to react and you're going to be in bad health. Seriously. See, you didn't know it. And you got some health tips this morning here during the middle of this sermon. Quit worrying. You know what? You can't change anything about it. Thank you for listening today. This radio station is listener supported, which means we rely on your donations to keep us on the air. We're a nonprofit organization, so your donations are tax deductible. We're on the air 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, playing Christian music, sermons and teaching programs. We have something for everyone. We're asking for your help today. 
We need your prayers and your financial support to stay on the air. Won't you please make a donation today? You can make a secure donation by going to our website at www.cross.radio. Thank you for your support and God bless you. Now, back to the message. Then third type of person that's here on this earth is the hopeful. And this is what I pray you are today. 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. We are the sons of the living God. Hallelujah. Let me help you ladies out. Just because it says son, all you have to do is flip over that verse. It says, because of the cross, there's never, neither male nor female. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither free nor slave. And it does not appear yet what we shall be. And we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. What does that mean? I take it literally. When he died here up on this earth on that cross, he was a picture of health. He was 33 and a half years old, full head of hair, full beard. I mean, he was healthy. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard preachers say that before. You may not agree with it. That's okay. We can agree to disagree. I'm going to be like him. Everything that is broke about me right now, every implant I got in my body, every aching bone that I have, everything is going to be put back to normal and then some and much more because we will be like him for we shall see him as he is. We'll stand face to face with Jesus Christ and every man that have hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. Me knowing Jesus Christ I don't fear this world anymore. I have hope in Him. And it purifies me. It causes me to live right. That's why you don't hear about the rapture of the church anymore. You want to know why? Because it holds you accountable. You're going to look awfully silly sitting there at that bar huddled up with that glass of Jack Daniels and the rapture happens. People can kid themselves all they want with this once saved, always saved doctrine, and they're going to find they'll split the gates of hell open one day because some preacher along the way failed to tell them the truth of God's Word. I'm not that preacher. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, we're all sinful. There's not a single one of us in here today that can say I'm completely holy and righteous. No, my friends, I ask forgiveness because of the blood. Mm. because the blood of Jesus Christ, I can be forgiven today. People get, got this backwards. Oh, you're just pointing a finger being a hypocrite. No, I'm not. I'm trying to save you from what's coming. Tell them. <laughs> Man, I'm not hateful. Come hang out with me. I promise you, I'm not a hateful person at heart. I'd have never thought in a million years I'd be standing up behind a pulpit preaching to somebody. This is not something you just wake up one morning. Boy, I'd like to go tell people what they're doing wrong. I'd like to tell them just, but there's some people that I don't know, they have a, they have some kind of a, I don't know, they like being mean to people. They like looking down on them from the pulpit and that just is not me. I could probably tell you a lie this morning, tell you you're a champion, that no judgment's coming up on this earth, you have nothing to fear in eternity. I just can't do that. I have to tell you the truth this morning. You have to let the Holy Spirit examine your heart. And when He does, the wonderful thing is, He comes in, He cleanses you by the blood of Jesus. You're hopeful in all things because the, the, the world becomes 
it, it the, you lose the allure, the attraction of the world. You no longer want those things. It changes what you want in life. My hope is no longer in setting up things here on this earth. I've been blessed with a lot of things along the way. God has blessed me many times over. He's gave me land. He's gave me a, a trailer. Uh, he's gave me children and grandchildren. I have a couple of coins to rub together. I'm blessed many times over, but my hope is not in them things. My hope is in what lies ahead. Number two, though, out of this list here, for last days, what a Christian should be. Number one, I said be clear-minded. Number two, watch under prayer. Last day believers to be live so sensibly, we can avoid the things that crowd our minds and obstruct our relationship with God. There is such an attack on the home right now. And it is coming from these agendas that don't want to recognize a male and female relationship together married in a household, being fruitful and multiplying, raising kids, raising your children in the ways of the Lord. Uh, uh, Kenneth Wiest translates 1 Peter 4 7 like this, Be calm and collective in spirit with a view to give yourselves in prayer. My friends, if you want to start cultivating your relationship with God like never before, get into prayer. Prayer is not the most attended thing in the church. It is not anywhere. I don't care what church you go to, with this church, Jimmy Swaggart ministers, anybody and call a prayer meeting, see how many people show up. That's not indictment against anybody that didn't show up. I'm not going to sit there and tell you that you're wrong. You may have had things to do, but what are you doing in your own time? What is distracting you from the things of God? You've got to watch what you're letting in your life. Friends, I, I encourage you more than ever. I'm really getting into another subject I'm going to approach here in a minute. But prayer is so vitally important in these last days that when, when God is always rose up against the enemy that has come against nations, come against homes, come against individuals, there's always been an individual or people praying together that have prayed and sought God's face. Everybody wants this nation healed, and I understand that. I do too. I want to see peace in this world. I want to see my grandchildren come up in an environment like I grew up in. But it's only going to happen one way. Second Chronicles 7 and 14 is the answer. If my people, not the world, quit waiting on the world, quit waiting on churches that are backslidden, they're not even churches anymore, waving pride flags and Black Lives Matter and everything else out in front of their churches, and it's happening everywhere. I'm not, I don't have an agenda up here. We're not waving any kind of white power, black power, uh, LBGTQ or whatever, M-I-L-O-P. The only one I'm waving is the blood-stained banner of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. That's all we have to offer here. I don't have any other organization for you. I'm on the team of Jesus. That's it. And we're going to need to start praying. If you ain't praying, don't get all mad at me. Well, he's just talking about me. Okay, I did, but change it. Start praying like never before. I see some young people out there on the pews. You're not excused either. You old folks in here like me, you definitely ain't excused. Pray like never before. Where do I start? It take five minutes. Take a couple minutes. Start somewhere. Start praying outside of your own knees. God heal our nation. I'm sorry. Second Chronicles 7 and 14. If my people, you're God's people, that are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray 
and seek my face. And here's the important part. And turn from their wicked ways. Then I'll hear from heaven and then I will heal their land. So if you want that place for your children and grandchildren to be raised up in like you come up in, you better start praying. You better start seeking God's face. You better start walking. Hallelujah in the light of Jesus Christ. You better get in these churches. You better start praying. You better open up that Bible and you better start crying out to God. Because if we don't, there's nothing but judgment waiting at the end of this for us. Walk in the light in these last days. Number three, assemble with believers. I can't stress this enough. What fellowship does light have with darkness? None. Amen. Hang around non-believers and even lukewarm Christians and you'll cultivate their thoughts. What fellowship does light have with darkness? Now, I'm not talking about work where you got to be. I'm not. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking being like David Koresh and going getting in a compound somewhere with some 50 cal machine guns and telling everybody, no, you can't come in. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm not telling you that if you don't come to the lighthouse, you're not going to heaven. Oh, we got enough of them already. We don't need any more. There are plenty of them Pentecostal churches out there. Well, you don't come to our church. Bless God, you ain't going to heaven. You don't dress our way, you ain't going to heaven. And they tell you that, just get up, walk out. Ladies, when they break out the dress code, just get up and say, thank you, I've had enough. And you go do what God told you to do. Men, when they start laying out, I seen one the other day, they made these men lay out, pierce their ear with a big old ring, and lay out prostrate on the floor before this leader of the church and sit there and say vows to him. Get up and leave. I, when I say church, I'm not talking about any church. I made a grave mistake when I first started uh, preaching here. I told people, just get in church. Any old church will do. No, they won't. Not no more. Just any old church is not going to get it. You better get somewhere where they're preaching Christ and Him crucified. You better get somewhere where they're teaching that you can be saved by the blood of Jesus. You can be sanctified by the blood of Jesus and you can be filled with the Holy Ghost. You better get in those churches in the last days. Because if you're hanging out anywhere else and you let them cultivate your thoughts, I heard a lady boy just, whoo, it hit home. I could have jumped up and I shouted and screamed with her. But I love what she said. She got up and said, my children will be in this church on Sunday morning, one hour a day. My oldest son played baseball. And I told the baseball coach this. I said, he can come out there to any event seven days a week as long as it doesn't interfere with that one hour on Sunday morning. If you're playing or practicing during that one hour Sunday morning, he will not be there because my child in his spirituality was not cultivated on the baseball field. It was cultivated in the house of God. And that goes for us too. Now, I would like you to be here Wednesday night. I'd like you to be here Sunday night. But by the Bible speaking, you and your whole family and everybody should at least be here on Sunday morning to observe the things of God for at least just one hour. Just one hour. If that would happen across this land, can you imagine how powerful it would be? 
I know sometimes we, it wasn't that long ago I missed church. Well, really missed, but had some things happened in my life. There have been times we've taken vacation. I don't have perfect attendance. Nobody does. You're human. But still, you should be here to love one another. And you better hear me on this. Everybody that comes to that door is going to have faults. But minimize their faults. Don't magnify their weaknesses. Oh, let me say that again. You're going to come have people coming here shouldn't be dressed like that, probably the way they are. Okay. They might have a little whiskey smell from the night before. Okay. They might even, oh, God forbid, smell like weed. I know what weed smells like. And I smell that stuff everywhere I go now. I still invite them to church. I still tell them Jesus loves them. I, you know what? Well, there's hypocrites in the church. Well, just like the drug addict, that's the best place for them. Hypocrites, where else should they be? <laughs> they should be in the church. Hearing the Word of God preached, trying to get right. Where should the religious be? Something the most difficult to deal with. I've been at this 17 years now. And religious people are some of the hardest to preach to. I'm talking about them ones that got to dress a certain way. They got to, everything's got to be such and such. They love God, but they're just bound by religion. Very hard to deal with, but they need to be in church. Find you a good church. New believers are going to have trouble in their walk with God, folks. They're not going to come in that door in a three-piece suit and ready to go and never make another mistake. They're going to fail, and they're going to need a community of believers to pick them back up and say, you know what, I did the same stupid thing not long ago. Yeah, you were stupid, but you're okay. God still loves you. And you're going to have to get in a church where you can be around other believers. I'm hurrying. And they don't need a watered-down, feel-good message, my friend. I can't overstress this. You know, Joel Osteen may be a just a cool dude. I don't know. You need to tell you what I personally think about him outside of religion? You hush, I'm preaching. <laughs> he's a good looking guy. He is. He, I mean, he wears these nice suits, man, got a beautiful smile. But his messages, they're dangerous. I'll never forget the conversation I had with my mom. She called me up one day and she said, uh, talk to me about preachers. I said, who are you listening to? She, she knew she didn't want to tell me. Joe Lostein. I said, mama, you shouldn't be listening to that. I don't care what you say. The man's good looking and I'm going to get to <laughs> I think I had some impact a little bit. <laughs> Or a lot, but when it comes to the Word of God, not personally, but when it comes to the Word of God, don't tolerate that stuff in your life and don't, sure don't feed it to new believers. Iron sharpens iron. You want, if you want to have iron so you, you want to put on the full armor of God, you want to be able to stand in those days when you're being tested by the devil. You want to be able to stand when that doctor gives you the news that you got stage four cancer. You want to stand when that old sin crops up in your life. You better pull it on the full armor of God. You better be able to stand in the power of the Holy Ghost. Because if you don't, the devil is going to chew you up and spit you out. He's not your friend. This evil world is not your friend. 
You want somebody that's going to stick close to you? Get beside your elder brother, Jesus Christ. He will never fail you. He will prop your feet on that solid rock. Hallelujah. And lift you up and save you and redeem you and call you His own. And He calls you to be in a church. We have to stay in the light of Christ or we're not going to make it. Oh, goodness. Oh, you mean... It was kind of an accident. You remember I talked about extended Pentecostal services. Here we go. <laughs> There's a story that come out of South England years ago. It was two young sisters, and they were on their way home from a day of shopping. And on their journey home, they boarded a ferry that took them across a cold, raging river. And they had journeyed this way many times home before. And they got on the ferry, and when they got to the other side, the ferryman offered them a lamp. said, we don't need it. said, look, you need to take it. It's real foggy out here, and you're going to lose your way. And the two sisters said, we've made this journey many times before. We don't need it. Well, they took off to the path to their house, this dense fog. And it wasn't just a few minutes later. They heard a loud splash, and one of the sisters was screaming, and she fell off in the cold river. And then just another minute later, the other sister screamed as she fell off in the river. Nothing they could do to help them, and they drowned. You know, spiritually speaking in this life, in the darkness, and you take the wrong path with no light, and you go in the wrong direction, you're facing a certain death. When a man turns from the light of Jesus and he wanders into the darkness, he becomes hopelessly lost. Last but not least, number four, in these last days we have to continue serving. Last day believers are going to continue in the great commission and not self-preservation. Boy, what a sin is when a Christian quits looking to the needs of others and only concerned about preserving themselves. We should all be fully given over to the grace of God and the ministry to some degree. What do you need to do? I can't answer that for you. I can offer suggestions and I can tell you, pray if you get into prayer, you'll figure it out. God will show you. Just coming to church and giving offerings and helping this missionary family that we've got heading back to uh, <clears throat> South America helping us keep Cross Dot Radio on the air where people are being saved and we're giving Bibles out around the world, helping messages and music go out of encouragement in these dark days. It, witnessing. There's tracks back there you can carry with you today. I love mentioning this. You can carry just a few with you. Next time you're out at a restaurant, leave one of those with a couple of dollars. You want a recommendation, grab one of them. Uh, this is your life. This was your life. I have seen more people come under conviction by that simple little cartoon track than anything I've ever seen in 17 years of ministry. It's got me cursed out. I've got letters. I, I can't tell you all the things happened to me over that little track. And I didn't write it. Jack Chick wrote that thing many years ago. I think the most powerful one I ever witnessed. I pulled up at the PCM pizza, pizza when it was open. I don't know if it's still open. I walked inside, and right before I did, there was a young man out there. It was obvious I could smell the alcohol on him. I smelled the weed, and he was smoking a cigarette. I just let a big smile and said, man, how are you doing today? 
And I hand him that track, said, man, can I give you that right? Man, he was so happy, couldn't nothing made his day bad. Hey, yeah, man, I'll take it. And he started reading while I walked in. When I come back out, he had sobered up and was trembling. Holy Ghost had lit into him. I don't know what happened to him. I have no idea. But I know one thing. Something got planted down in by just something so simple. You got family members that are going to come to you with problems and they don't know what to do. And you have the answer now. Can you imagine if we all carried a Bible around like we do our cell phone? Woo, and I heard a preacher say that this week. I got convicted. Can you imagine if we opened that Bible as much as we do Facebook or them apps? Yeah, I'm meddling. Can you imagine what... Man, we'd be talked about all over Grenada. Oh, what an indictment on the church as a whole. Look, my feet's burning up here. I got convicted when I heard this. That's what the gospel is supposed to do. Can you imagine if we assembled together as much as we do in our favorite activity? Just imagine, don't you take this. Don't yell it out, Judy. <laughs> whatever your favorite activity is to do outside of work, think of whatever, lock that in your mind. Something you really love to go do in some activity. Some of you may be gardening. Some it may be camping or fishing or hunting, whatever it is. Going to sports. Ain't nothing wrong with sports. As long as it don't interfere with God. Whatever it is you like going to do. Now, got it? Now, what have you assembled at church as much as you do in that activity? This church would be open 24-7. There'd be believers going in and out of here all the time. We'd never shut the doors. You know, there was a day the churches used to do that. I'm telling you something for all of us here today, for all of us to think about. That's what the gospel does, my friends. It challenges you. Not to make you feel bad. It challenges you to let you examine yourself when it's anointed by the Holy Ghost. When God has anointed the message, God, yes, will comfort you in times of grief, but in those times that you need it, you will also be challenged in your walk. We must serve Jesus fully in these days that we live in. But we should let the Holy Spirit examine us and say, God, you know, let me be used of you in these last days. Lord, I can't do this on my own. I need your help, Father. God, help me to draw closer to you. Not sitting sitting idly by waiting for some disaster to happen. Work while there's light. Because Jesus said, you need to work while there's light because there's coming a day when there's going to be darkness and no man can work. The message is very clear. Frantic activity and anxiety are not the pattern of behavior for the last day Christians. It's not, I'm not trying to get you excited. Oh, the, the world's coming to an end and I better run and do something. That's not the idea. We need calmness, being sober. We need love. We need community. We need service. They're all the hallmarks of Christians. And you know what? In other words, keep living like Christians have always been commanded to do. Amen. Y'all would stand with me this morning. We hope you have enjoyed this sermon. We know that life can be tough, but we believe that God has a plan for each of us, and we want to help you find that plan. So please, stay tuned for more messages of hope and encouragement. Here at Power of the Cross Radio, we believe in the power of prayer. If you have a need, visit our prayer wall on the website at www.cross.radio. 
We also believe in the power of Christian music to touch hearts and change lives. So please keep listening. And if you know someone who might need a little encouragement, tell them about Power of the Cross Radio. We cover a wide mix of Christian music. Check the website schedule for more details. And if you have any questions, email us at info at cross.radio. You can also call us at 662-294-0608. Thank you for listening and have a great day.